cannot do my job here at the department uh, with a constant background commentary that, that undercuts me. We probably should revisit that story at some point this hour. The attorney general saying to the president, I can't do my job with you tweeting at me, which I think I got to I got to believe that behind the scenes, they made a more direct statement of I'm going to have to resign if you keep doing this. Yeah, well, and he said that publicly and unequivocally. Uh, you can't be tweeting about stuff that's before the department. Stop. Yeah, and Mitch McConnell said, I would listen to the Attorney General. To uh, Lindsey Trump. Graham saying, bless my soul, I agree. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. So Bloomberg's the flavor of the day, and it quite well could be the flavor clear on through November. I Any mean, jackass can kick down a barn. I dispute that. It'd have to be some sort of giant super jackass. There's so many angles of this story that are so interesting, not the least of which, maybe the most of which, is is it just a fact that if you want to be president and you're willing to spend a billion dollars, <laughs> you can pull it off? Well, I don't know. I mean, this, the guy was the mayor of New York City. He's a business guy. He's got so was de Blasio. Liberal... So was Giuliani. So was Ed Koch. So was a whole bunch of other people. Right, that but thought they, they didn't were have be billions president. of dollars. They didn't have billions of dollars. I'm just saying, well, you not every billionaire could get mm. as much traction as he has gotten. I mean, witness Tom Steyer. Nobody gives a damn. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, and and Bloomberg has never struck me as like a... He's not got some personality that's um, magnetic, in Mm-mm. my opinion. No, kind of the opposite. Maybe the ladies like him, I don't know. So this is from GQ. Why is Bloomberg's long history of egregious sexism getting a pass? The surging Democratic presidential candidate and Bloomberg have fielded near LP, that's his company, have fielded nearly 40 sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuits over the decades. I'd have to stop there, GQ. I don't have any idea if a giant company like Bloomberg LP, 40 sexual harassment discrimination lawsuits over the decades, is that in the top 10% or the bottom 10%? I wouldn't have any for, any idea. It could easily be absolutely common for companies of that size to have 40 of those in that amount of time. Well, what is that per employee? I mean, if you were running a shop employing three people, that would be extraordinary. But if you have a million employees, that would be much less significant. Half a million, etc. But I'll read so, this. Again, a great example, though, of, of media bias and how facts can be presented in such a way that they really don't tell you much other than what the writer wants you to think. Yeah, journalists, they do such a sloppy job. I mean, I'm, 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 everybody listens to the show. You know I'm not that smart. But my first question <sighs> was, is that average for a big company or high or low? That's the first question, isn't right, it? Right. You can't hit me with a statistic and have me go, wow, unless I've got some context. So either the journalist is incompetent or the inclusion of that information would detract from the narrative they're trying to build. Good point. So they're the, even in, either incompetent or biased. They may have looked into it, and it's average or below average, right. so we better leave that out. But as a big Bernie fan, Cer- let's leave that out. Certainly, if it was a high number, you would include that. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point right there. Mm. I'll just read from the GQ Happy article. Happy to help. In December of 2015, employees at Every Town for Gun Safety, the gun control organization funded by Mike Bloomberg, arrived at work to find a holiday gift on their desks from their employer, Mike Bloomberg. The former mayor's 1997 autobiography, Bloomberg by Bloomberg. Flipping through the book, staffers found themselves uncomfortably reading their billionaire founder's boasts about keeping a girlfriend in every city and other womanizing exploits as a Wall Street up-and-comer. So it's a, it's a published book available on the shelves, but that 
is harassment. He's got an autobiography, though, where he talks about having a girlfriend in every city. Is that a, is that a, a Me Too sort of candidate you can have in the modern world? I don't know. Although, again, that is the journalist's characterization of what the book says. Bragging about having a girlfriend in every... I'd have to read it. Now, they do have quotes around girlfriend in every city, so apparently he says that. Anyway, I mean, that's a long way from George Bush and Mitt Romney in terms of lifestyle. Yeah. A few people started immediately going through it and sending the cringiest parts around an email chains, one former employee told me. See, that's boosting employee morale, not lowering it. (laughs) Hey, look, our boss did this and that. I've been part of that. It's fun. And did her and her. Hardly the most controversial things he said, but still a bad book, said this employee. Indeed, Bloomberg's casual boasts about his sex life and his own autobiography are now some of the least problematic parts of his candidacy for president. In recent days, and they go through the the um, uh, stop and frisk program and the um, race stuff that we have discussed and will be discussed more, I'm sure, if he ends up being the nominee. Uh, but he has vigorously denied allegations of misogyny throughout his entire career, which includes nearly 40 sexual discrimination and sexual harassment lawsuits, brought against him and his organizations by 64 women over the past several decades. I don't know, but I'm thinking 40 sexual harassment lawsuits over decades? Right. By decades, do you mean 30 years? 40 years? 80? Is it 10 a year for a giant company? I'm not thinking that that's that big a deal. And again, does he have 100 employees or 100,000? I don't know that. I know it's quite a few. Bloomberg sexism. Okay, now they've stated it is just a, an agreed upon fact. And, and hey, if you're just tuning and in, and he might be, I don't have any idea. But if you're just tuning in or you're new to the show, I, I can't stand Michael Bloomberg in a lot of ways. I, I, he's just he makes oh, me I sick. Find him. I've always found him highly annoying. Oh, he's just well annoying is a good word. Anyway, so we're not defending Bloomberg. Uh, you know this this stuff will come up in the future, so it's worth knowing in advance. But. Man, this is a story about crappy journalism to me. Well, it's GQ, um, which is a serious magazine, but they, they, they've got an agenda here. You think they're Bernie people? Think that's what it is? I think it's entirely possible. Bloomberg's sexism, that like, like that of fellow New York City billionaire Donald Trump, has been prolific and well-documented. Ah. But for some reason, the stories about him don't seem to have taken hold. He's a Democrat now. He's still being embraced by the Democratic establishment as a viable option. You know, that kind of phraseology makes me think that they are uh, Bernie people. Yeah. He's surged to third place in several polls this week. Blah, 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 blah. So this is a short article, too. It seems to me that GQ got a pretty quickie hit piece in on Bloomberg as they saw him rising in the polls. But I will include this stuff, and some of this stuff I remember from back in the day, even when he was just mayor. Yeah, give me something juicy. All this despite what's already been reported and alleged for decades about Bloomberg's behavior. As a recap, here are some examples. Yes, here uh, we go, folks. The, this, you will be the jury. I swear you in. Of course, you never know if this stuff's true or not, but I remember some of these stories. Garrison, a former sales representative at Bloomberg LP, alleged in a 97 lawsuit, one of four separate lawsuits in a two-year period. Okay, so this is 23 years old, but... That when CEO Mike Bloomberg found out she was pregnant, he told her, kill it! And great, number 16, an apparent reference to the number of pregnant women on maternity leave at his company. Well, I remember that knock uh, at some point when he was running for re-election or something. Yeah, well, that's incredibly uncool. Kill it? If he said it, it would be incredibly uncool. Yeah, I'd punch uh, him in the face. Uh, Yeah, if you said that to my wife, I would drive to where you are and we would fight. Yes. Uh, She also alleged that when Bloomberg saw her engagement ring, he commented, what is this guy, dumb and blind? What the hell is he marrying you for? 
It's it's just hard. What? It's really hard for me to imagine anybody that high up in a company trying to be successful saying something. I like mean, that, right? I could see like one guy saying that to another if they're close friends after a couple of drinks and everybody guffaws. Oh yeah, a couple of guys, you're good friends. Boy, she must be uh, dumb and blind. She's in engagement to you. Ha ha ha. Yeah, ha ha ha. Um, what the hell is he marrying you for? And that he once pointed to another female employee and told this same woman, Garrison. Now, she's got several in a couple-year period, so you never know what's going on with her. But no, I don't know. If you looked like that, I'd do you in a second, Bloomberg said. Bloomberg denies if having said those things. If you were a different woman, I would do you in a second. What does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I find him guilty of incoherence. <laughs> What? That's true. That is like saying, if that chair were Jennifer Lopez and she was interested in me, yes. I'd be more than happy. To... Oh, yes. And, <laughs> and I, how? I would be a chair blanker. <laughs> Call me a chair blanker. <laughs> anyway, Bloomberg denies having said those things. And this garrison woman um, uh, says she had a voicemail where he said, if I did say them, I didn't mean it. Bloomberg is she also... the uh, wife of Mr. Garrison? Okay. <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> Bloomberg once described his life as a single billionaire bachelor in New York City to a reporter as being a wet dream. I assume that's oh, documentable. That's, 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 that's indelicate. You, you didn't need to go there. Well, you. The, I'm looking at you. Well, this this is going to be part of the conversation, I guarantee you. All right. I like theater, dining, and chasing women, he said. On a radio show in 2003, he said that he really wanted to have Jennifer Lopez. Which he later explained away as saying, I wanted to have dinner with her. Uh-huh. 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 So, uh, so you could talk. A top aide said Bloomberg. Dinner table events. A top aide said Bloomberg frequently remarked nice teas upon seeing attractive women. Oh, really? Dude. Really? Oh, my God. Uh, employees of his in 1990 put together an entire booklet of some of his more egregious comments, including if women wanted to be appreciated for their brains, they'd go to the library instead of Bloomingdale's. And of the computer terminal that made him a billionaire, it will do everything, including giving you blank over oral sex. I guess that puts a lot of you girls out of business. Okay. So uh, if, if any or all of this is true... He's just, you know, excuse the the phraseology, my friends, but he's just an an a-hole. And an, and an idiot. Uh, and more recently, and, and, I'll finish up with this. More recently, Bloomberg defended his longtime close pal, Charlie Rose, after multiple women, blah, blah. We know how that story is. Yes, my robe. Where'd the tie go? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I can't close it. Uh, Bloomberg cast doubt on the entire hashtag MeToo movement as a whole, saying the public should let the court system decide whether a man is guilty. Uh, we have said well, that. that. That's perfectly legitimate. Yeah. Uh, what's the alternative, my although, GQ writing friend? Although, if you got a whole bunch of stuff out out there, you'd be quicker to jump to uh, getting that uh, that going, I suppose. Granted, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to know with this stuff. But oh, yeah. so, uh, I guess GQ's point would be he could have this stuff in his uh, background, and this could be part of the conversation. Running against Donald Trump helps, doesn't it? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to have Trump surrogates attacking him for womanizing. No, it'd have to be the Democratic Party deciding we don't want a guy like this as our nominee. Right. Yeah, it'd have to Uh, come from, uh, yeah, his side. Yeah. Yeah, stabs to the back. Um, We'll talk more about that stuff later in the hour with Lon He Chen, one of our favorite analysts. I hope you can catch that. Armstrong and Getty. 
What day it was when you walked into the room. I don't know if this is Rod Stewart's greatest song, but it's sure in the top three. You said goodbye. It's in terms of quality, not popularity. Well, it was quite popular. The clientele spinning yarns that were so lyrical. I believe it to be his best lyric. I really must Speaking of the rock and roll music, which I like a lot, I couldn't be a bigger Pink Floyd fan. Love that band, just in every way. Name a hit. <laughs> the longest charting album of all time. Uh, the Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, anyway, uh, but Roger Waters, who was the uh, the chief creative officer and songwriting force, has completely lost his mind. Bassist. If you know the band, you know Roger Waters. He's he's very political. He's always been very political, which is fine. That's great. Um, but I saw him a couple of years ago. A buddy of mine and I were just playing golf yesterday and reminiscing about how his his show, which is amazingly visual, he has part of the stage set up is not only giant video screens like behind him, but they have a video screen that goes the length of the auditorium that they then uh, like high up, but halfway down to the ground. That there, there are movies and films and images and words and stuff. It's just a giant audio visual uh, feast. His shows. It's technically it's astounding, but is it all political stuff? Yo, though? it's so oh. political and that it's so like anti-Trump. A, sounds like a punishment to me. This to guy's have to go a, to that. a Brit. I think he he probably lives in the U.S. a lot now. I don't know, and he's a fascinating guy, but he's. In, he's gone completely insane over Donald Trump. Is it? Are they one of the? Is he an? Do you call them Pink Pink Floyd or oh, no, what no, is? No, are they? No, no, he's Roger Waters. Okay, it's just yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, he hasn't actually been with Pink Floyd since the eighties. Is this which one is of those shocking uh, deals where it's like two hundred dollars a ticket? It's the boomer crowd. And yes. I, yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So so yeah. I'm going to spend two hundred dollars a ticket to get a. Uh, two-hour anti-Trump audio-visual extravaganza. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Know what you're going in for. Now, if you're okay, a, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. If if you're a Floyd fan, the music is stunning. I mean, it's great. But he's doing this press conference to uh, promote his new concert film and tour and everything. And um, he's talking about the message of humanism, trying to connect with young people around the world. Funnily enough, they're connecting to that message, but unfortunately not effing here, he said, before singing the praises of Bernie Sanders. Because if they were, you wouldn't have Donald Trump as a president. You wouldn't be having all this nonsense with the Democratic primaries, with them trying to destroy the only candidate who can possibly win against Donald Trump, Sanders. Jeez, if I go to a concert and Donald Trump's name comes up in any way, right? pro, con, wasn't he a great host of the pre- You just mentioned his name. I'm leaving the concert. His hotels, yeah. the stakes, anything. <laughs> you graduated from his university. Just If I hear his name, I'm leaving the concert. But then what were those statistics we were sharing the other day from Gallup about people's satisfaction with their lives in yeah. the U.S. and the rest of it? Yeah. They're all setting record highs. Well... The, the, the fabulous, 90% of people are satisfied with their lives, two-thirds very satisfied, and all-time gallopi. The fabulously talented but bitter old man, Roger Waters, who is 76, he's old enough to run in the Democratic primary, <laughs> said, and I quote, We're living here in a fool's hell. The United States of America is not a fool's paradise, it's a fool's hell. All right. Uh, the great battle is the battle between propaganda and love, and propaganda is winning. 
That's and, interesting. I've had a fairly pleasant week. Oh, it, it, it goes on. Trust me. He's just getting warmed up. And sadly, the buttons of the propaganda machine are being pushed by people who are effing sick. These sick sociopathic effers. All of them. Every single one of them. He goes on. Uh, and as far as, uh, and this is a man who has failed at effing everything in his life except becoming the biggest tyrant and mass murderer and mass destroyer of everything that any of us might love or cherish in the whole world only because he has the power. Keeping in mind, this guy was born in World War II and he's calling Trump the biggest tyrant, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, he has his finger on the button and he's right. He's working it all over the world, murdering brown people for profit. Oh, my God. I don't know how much profit there is in murdering brown people uh, or exactly in what regard he's doing that. But, Raj, Wow, that's over the top. You've completely lost your noggin. He's working it all over the world, murdering brown people for profit. Uh, we got Yikes. we got some pretty good responses to the Bloomberg. Do us and them. <laughs> good responses to the Bloomberg. Uh, is he a sexist GQ article that we read? Mm. Stay tuned for that. Oh boy! I introduced this song many times as a disc jockey. Come for the hall, stay for the oats. Mm. Um. <laughs> We're playing all these romantic songs on Valentine's Day, and uh, I've already noticed in the workplace, this always hurts my heart a little bit, and I'm not even them. Flower guys showed up a couple of times already. Uh-oh. From some flower company, and every woman hopes it's them. Oh, boy. And then when it's not them, there's always just that little bit, just a little bit of, oh, no. Oh, that's sweet, Jenny. Wow, that's sweet that he sent those. I remember that's at times nice. when that was me. Oh, boy. Yeah. When you were that woman? Yeah. Well, Back no, when you no. identified as and That's a, what I'm anyway. seeing in their eyes. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, okay. Also, on the way in a moment, uh, we got to do this other thing first because it's newsworthy, but also in a moment, what things are actually killing people and what things aren't actually killing people by uh, very big numbers that are in the news right now. But okay. This is definitely news. Oh, and we got Lon He Chen coming up. He's one of the best pundits out there following politics. He's been involved in some high-level campaigns. He went to Harvard, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's, that's an, an insult as much as a credit these days, Harvard. Um, so there's a important case going on. I By wanna... the way, I've already asked Lon He back in the day, merit or check? <laughs> How'd he get into Harvard? <laughs> he strikes me as a merit guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He seems to be fairly bright. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk to him in a moment. So there was an important case. I don't even want to get into the particulars of that. But there's a case before the Justice Department at the federal level, and Trump had it, wanted to go a certain way. And so he was commenting uh, strongly on his Twitter feed at the Justice Department and the Attorney General on how he thinks it should turn out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that's been a big story all week long, and the Attorney General responded in an interview yesterday. To have public statements and tweets made about the department, uh, about uh, our people in the department, our, our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases, uh, make it impossible uh, for me to do my job. The attorney general saying it makes it impossible for me to do my job if you continue doing that. If you know old Will Barr, you know he considers his words extremely carefully. And for him to say, 
that makes it impossible to do my job. He didn't. Just, it's not. It's not some uh, emotional, you know, dad or mom saying you are just impossible. No, that's a very careful man saying sure. I cannot do my job and I will not do my job if this continues. Right. He didn't mean to say difficult, but said no. impossible. Yes, that was uh, definitely uh, on purpose. Um, and if you're wondering what the second most powerful Republican thinks about that. I think the attorney general knows what he's talking about. I'm not a I'm not the attorney general, but I have confidence in Bill Barr. I think he's doing a good job. And I think he's told the president this is not helpful, making it difficult for him to do his job. I think the president will listen to him. And Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, said that like eight times yesterday in different ways. Yes. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of what uh, the attorney general said? I think the president should listen to the attorney general. What do you personally think of the tweets? Well, I think uh, the president should listen to the attorney general. <laughs> so we'll see how this plays out. Well, so far the White House has said, no, we're not mad about anything. We, uh, we uh, you know, uh, The president cherishes his right to communicate with the American people well, Trump, through social media. Trump did say this morning, I have the right to tell the attorney general what to do. But I haven't. So that was one of those. Yes. Yeah. And that's the curious thing about Trump and his detractors will never admit it. Even as he blasts unfilteredly through. That's not a word, probably. um, (laughs) Through Twitter. He swears up and down. He has not attempted to influence Bar Now, people will say, well, he's the president, and he said publicly what he wants to happen. Uh, Barack Obama did that over and over and over again. He was notorious for doing interviews about an important matter in front of the Justice Department, in which he would say, I have not contacted the Attorney General. I will not. There needs to be a high bar. All I know is that... You know, the police acted stupidly or whatever. He would let his feelings be known through the media as opposed to social media. So to argue that this is somehow unprecedented is is just wrong. But I tell you what, old Bill Barr saying out loud, look, you got to stop or I'm going to quit. Because that's that's the would you agree that's a pretty legitimate translation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll he may have, sticks. And may have sent that message that clearly behind the scenes. I don't know. Uh, as far as Michael Bloomberg is running for president, and we read from the GQ article that came out yesterday about his uh, perhaps sexual conduct throughout his life, um, that is probably be go- going to become an issue. We got two texts, both interesting about that. One, thanks for describing Trump again. So that's somebody saying, yeah, Trump too, so... How do you beat up on that? I think uh, I think the Democratic Party, though, if they're if there's you know super serious about the whole Me Too thing, and um, uh, you always have to believe the women and all that sort of stuff, are going to be in a bit of a pickle on it, Michael Bloomberg. It there. could undermine support at the very least. And we got this text: Dude was a Wall Street stockbroker during the Mad Men era. I completely believe all this is true. He is a very old man. That's when he was making his big money on Wall Street. During the Madman era, you know what? You're right. We're in the and, and he wasn't always an old man shuffling around in his two pair of uh, of loafers, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So yeah, there could be some stories out there, but then you know, there's stories about Trump too. So. Well, they referred to themselves at the time as the masters of the universe. It's a little grandiose. A little, yeah. yeah. Um, on and on things that will kill you and things that will not. New York Times with an article: Coronavirus hits all the hot buttons for how we misjudge risk. 
Psychologists say that differing responses to coronavirus and the flu illustrate our shortcomings when it comes to evaluating danger. Pretty interesting article on on why we we get so scared about the coronavirus when the flu is way more likely to kill you and your family. I mean, it's not even close um, in terms of something to be worried about this spring. Um, just the way our brains are built. And then another story we brought you earlier, you're five times as likely, well, five times as many people are dying from selfies than are dying from shark attacks. <laughs> five times. It's not even close. Right. Anyone else will hear uh, Darwin giggling? I kind of do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please. I And again, my favorite selfie death is being gored by a wild beast you wanted to get really close to. You're, you're there in Africa, and you just, let me get a little closer to the lion. I mean, this is going to look great on Instagram. Just a little closer. A little closer. Well, you're going to be really close to the lion. You're going to be inside it in a minute. That's my favorite selfie, <laughs> selfie death. My second one is you, when you get closer and closer and closer to the cliff, then like Wiley Coyote, you go over it. That's the most common is falling off of a precipice of some sort. Ah, Railings on buildings. Cliffs, that sort of thing. Mm. There's a uh, fair number of getting hit by vehicles where you're like on a train track or a road or things thinking you're being kind of cool and dangerous looking in this picture and you wait just a second too long. Yeah. That's pretty common. Yeah, nasty. Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, you know, we make all the Darwin jokes and that's, uh, and that's all true. But if it was my own kid, I, you know, I wouldn't think, well, good, good for Darwin. Well, it's no joke to me, Jack. The uh, first person who, while they're plunging to their death, manages to shout, this is Darwin at work. I will give $1 million to their family. And is able to hit send before they hit the ground. The first Delphi. <laughs> death selfie. <laughs> Delphi. That's dark. <laughs> uh, Lonnie Chen on, uh, what are we going to talk to him about? I've got a couple of great ideas. Good. Because yes. I don't want to be the same tired conversation. No way. That's not what kidding? we want to be. Forget it. That's it. We got it figured out. It's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yes, Michael, you're killing it with the Valentine's Day song today, huh? Oh, killing it. It's late in the evening. Now, if I were from Texas, I might say he's Donald Trump is scared as a cat at the dog pound. But since I'm from New York, I put it this way. We're scaring the living hell out of him. And we're just starting right now. Oof. Wow, he's like a charisma black hole. <laughs> he, he not only has no charisma, he sucks charisma out of other people. That hurt me. That was do, terrible. Do we have the other one that least is better delivered that yeah, we've been playing all day? Yeah, give the jackass one. Yeah, it reminds me of Sam Rayburn saying that you might know. Any jackass can kick down a barn, but it takes a good carpenter to build one. That betrays either a, a gross lack of knowledge about jackasses, barns, or both. You'd need a gigantic jackass, a tiny barn. Or, or, a, or a barn both. that is not up to code. We're right. Not up to anybody's code. What is, what's going on here? Lon He Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, also Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just trying to find some charisma and all that. And this oh, en- that this was... this entire lead up you heard from us is very similar to what you get on Face the Nation. 
isn't it? This sort of conversation. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, this has been the, the issue with Bloomberg all along, I think. You know, I mean, the reason why he is not the presumptive favorite of the establishment is precisely because of the two clips you just played. Oh, really? I mean, I, well, I, I, I think so. I mean, look, I mean, look at all the things objectively, right? The guy's got a ton of money. He's willing to put a lot more of it into the race. He's had a, a pretty good record as uh, – as mayor of New York, with the exception of the whole stop and frisk controversy, which is I, it's a big deal to some in the Democratic Party. I get that. But if you look at the guy's record, what's pretty clear is he's probably the only Democrat who's going to be able to attract the support of anyone, you know, in the center or center right. So the establishment should love this guy. I think the challenge is that he just, as you've, as you've said, he has zero charisma. Now, we have been pronouncing that it seems clear the establishment has gotten behind the guy, judging by... You know, the the MSNBCs and CNNs of the world, a con- couple of guys from the Congressional Black Caucus coming out and saying, yeah, don't worry about that racial stuff. He's fine. We love him. Uh, so are you saying they're 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 not latching on to him or just taking a cautious look or where do you think it stands? I, I think they're cautiously, you know, he's kind of like the the you know, the thing you've got in your back pocket in case everything sort of goes goes badly. It is. Here's someone who could be credible. It is going and, badly. And, well, that, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time to break the glass. I, I mean, I think, look, I think there's still some discomfort with him for a variety of different reasons. You know, the stop and frisk piece is one of it. I think, I think the, the fact that he is somebody who is perceived as being, you know, willing to spend whatever it takes at a time when the party itself uh, you know, seems to be be trying to take a more populist route. I think for all these reasons, he hasn't been fully embraced. But you're right. You, the reason you're seeing more and more positive information flow on him is precisely because, you know, I think the Democratic establishment wants a place to go when Biden doesn't perform the way that Biden, you know, thought he would. And, and you know, arguably we're there. I, I think uh, South Carolina and Nevada will be telling. Um, I don't think you're going to see any large-scale movement until after South Carolina. Fair enough. We'll wait and see then. Hey, uh, any comment on the William Barr telling the president to stop tweeting story we were talking about in the last segment? I mean, it's obviously a a notable thing for an attorney general to essentially send a rhetorical shot across the president's bow. And a threat to resign, it sounded like to us. Well, you know, I think a couple things. First of all, Barr, Barr happens to be right, which is that, you know, he's, he's got to do a job. And, you know, I think the president is probably making it a little harder for him to do that job well with all of the commentary and tweeting. That aside, I think it is quite remarkable how this kind of came out of, out of left field. I mean, it seemingly came out of nowhere. It's not like Barr had given a few interviews where he was like, well, yeah, you know, maybe it's not the best thing. He just sort of came out guns blazing. And, and the, the speculation, the, the big question is, to what extent did he give the president a heads up? To what extent did he say to, to, to the you know, even senior White House team, look, uh, this is starting to get really hard for me. I'm going to have to say something to cover myself and to cover you know, what we're trying to do. Um, so I think that's a big question. But it, it was I was quite surprised, not not at the fact that he said it, but in the words he used, the words he used were pretty sharp. Right. Well, you know, Bill Barr's career and history and everything like that. He's a serious man. And I don't think he appreciated anybody, including the POTUS, giving fuel, giving, uh, you know, energy to his opponents for calling him a hack. 
He doesn't like being right. called a hack. Right. Well, and I mean, he's he's not. If you look at his career and you look at all that he's done, he has he, he, he served a number of presidents. He's been, uh, you know, a guy who's always been well regarded. And so, you know, I do think at some level part of this is Bill Barr trying to stick up for himself a little bit and saying, look, you know, for, for all the things that the president is saying and doing, I'm trying my best to hold things together. Now, that may not be a credible argument. In fact, I don't think I, I think the left now is completely, uh, you know, sort of on the anti-bar bandwagon. So it doesn't really matter what bar does at the end of the day. So that's another interesting question, which is if he wasn't going to be able to change the media narrative, why come out and do this in a way that potentially would offend President Trump? That having been said, I think part of it is Bill Barr wanting to set the record straight about himself and, right. and, and just for posterity's sake, you know. I was uh, looking at text. We got we read the Bloomberg article in GQ. I don't know if you saw that they came out yesterday. Bloomberg and GQ are two things that don't usually go together, but okay. No, yeah, I didn't. Well, they had an I article didn't. that uh, the title of it was um, Why is Bloomberg's Sexual History Not Being Discussed? And it basically goes through right. a whole bunch of different stories that have been out there. And some of them I remembered when I was reminded of them. It's uh, a little Trump-esque that's hanging out there. So it's going to be fun to watch that and see how it plays well, out. Yeah, and, and in a Democratic primary, that has a lot more salience than, than in a Republican primary, I'd argue, right? I mean, if you, if, if you think back to all the accusations lobbed against Trump, many of them quite serious, uh, the, the, uh, the way in which they were able or not able to gain traction in a Republican primary, I think in a Democratic primary, the context could be very different. Yeah, I would agree, although, you know, from my perspective, and I've argued this many times uh, when we discuss Trump's various sins and idiosyncrasies, is it's still a binary choice. And if I'm, for instance, a Midwestern evangelical, and I might personally be offended by Trump's conduct, and I have brought up my kids not to act that way, et cetera, et cetera, I still am looking at uh, Supreme Court nominees. I'm looking at, the you know, the judiciary from top to bottom. I'm looking at, you know, finally uh, enforcing immigration policy. And look, I I might hold my nose and vote, but I'm sure as heck not going to vote for Bernie or somebody like him. Right. And by the way, the same logic might apply for a Democrat progressive looking at looking at Bloomberg and saying, I don't like the stop and frisk thing. I don't like the fact that he seems to be a billionaire that's out of touch. I don't like blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I want to beat Trump. And if I want to beat Trump and Bloomberg is willing to spend a billion dollars to beat him, well, heck, you know, that, that's a bandwagon I'm willing to jump on. So I think that that analogy is very apt. You may have missed this, but this was the most interesting punditry I saw in the last week. After the debate Friday night, Chris Matthews was on MSNBC, and he said, I want to know if Bernie is a Castro socialist or uh, a sweden socialist which is he is he with castro because if the socialists would have won when i was young i'd have been shot in central park i want to know which one he is and i thought that is an interesting uh, view by the way i chris matthews was not seen again that night on msnbc <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's a good point i don't know that people i i think the way this race is shaping up it almost doesn't matter though I mean, he, he, being branded a socialist, whether you're a Castro socialist or a nice, clean Swedish socialist, I don't think it really matters. I think a socialist is a socialist is a socialist in our, in our current dialogue, in our current dialogue. And, uh, you know, I think, look, Trump is going to make mincemeat out of the guy. So, you know, if the Democrats really want to have a shot, they've got to wake up and smell the coffee. Which is why Bloomberg is willing to spend a billion dollars, because he believes exactly. that, too. 
exactly. He, he ought to spend a, a million on a charisma transplant. Is that a thing? God, you're, Can he go to like David Lee Roth or I don't know some <laughs> aging movie star and, and and get their charisma implanted? It's like David one of those Hasselhoff. One of, exactly. David. There's a good for instance. Yeah, he's not using it for anything good. It's like those poop transplants people get to get their digestive system going. I'll tell you what. It wouldn't be a very good look for the world's oldest democracy and most powerful country to have two billionaire old white men from the same neighborhood running against each other for president yeah well this is the america we live in now it's it, it our politics you know it's it's gotten well past trying to predict what's going on i mean yeah i i think i, I think i told you guys i thought biden was was probably going to be the nominee and i i just it's staggering to me how poorly he's done it's well, really staggering, and and we will uh, we will end on staggering Joe Biden as we are up against a hard break. But Lonnie Chen uh, with the uh, Hoover Institution, Stanford University, crossing lines with Lonnie Chen. It's always too short, but it's it's great fun to talk. Lonnie will do it again soon. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, his podcast is crossing lines with Lonnie Chen. If you want to check that out sometime, yeah, it's good. It's just clear eyed realism. Um, you know, looking at politics. What he said there at the end: you got to get out of the prediction business. Yep. No precedent matters.